1: escaped the asylum, we protected the coven, we attended the freak show, we checked into the hotel, we had a Roanoke nightmare, we joined the cult, we stopped the apocalypse, we survived 1984. Now we will watch the double feature. Welcome to Are You Afraid? Double Feature, Part 1, Red Tide a original series, PapiChula Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Thursday, August 26th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on FX's American Horror Story, Double Feature, Part 1, Red Tide. That's a whole lot. Please welcome my co-host, Madison Fitzpatrick.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back.
1: Odina Gonzalez.
2: Hi, hi.
1: Priscilla Rocha.
2: Hey, everybody.
1: And Vinny Hatcher. Hello. Spooky. Let's jump into our recap of Season 10, Episode 1, which was titled Cape Fear and aired on August 25th on FX. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. A struggling writer, his pregnant wife, and their daughter move to an isolated beach town for the winter. Once they're settled in, the town's true residents begin to make themselves known. A little dramatic flare. All right, everybody. It's been two years since The Mothership aired, point blank, in the period. So it's been a long time since we've talked about AHS proper. Not that spinoff. Uh, so let, let's get into this. Uh, it, I will say this. I was reading on social media this uh, the, this two-part two-ish hour premiere of uh, AHS, where they showed uh, two episodes, was incredibly well-received. I'll see if my fellow co-hosts agree with that. So let's start talking about the setup and the characters, because we're introduced to the main characters immediately at the start of the episode, The main characters, the the family that we are following to Cape Cod, uh, Provincetown, P-Town, are father, writer, struggling writer, Harry Gardner. We've got his wife, Doris, who is an interior, an aspiring interior designer. And then we've got a child uh, violin prodigy uh, named Alma. First impressions on them uh, is what I want to get first. Uh, I I will say, sort of as a point of personal privilege, thank you so much for AHS, for for giving Lily Rabe the headliner role that she deserves. Uh, Lily Rabe has always been fantastic on American Horror Story, but she's always been like a secondary or tertiary character. Uh, She was a villain once. Um, and now she's a headliner. So I, I just really enjoyed that. I just wanted to sort of say that uh, out the gate first. So uh, Priscilla, your thoughts on the gardeners. What were your first impressions?
0: Um, I felt that they were a close-knit family. I felt that like right off the bat that I liked Doris. I thought that she was a protective mom. That she was a really good mom. That she wasn't just some like flippant like oh i'm i'm just doing this like decorating as a side hobby or something like that like no she was actually serious about it um i thought that um her husband was like i didn't know about him like i i, I when he was like doing his best to like protect the family and he'd like kind of forget to do certain things like forget to take care for, forget to lock the, the the sun door when like the 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 lester came out out of, out of nowhere i was just kind of like okay i i guess but i, I he's doing his best so he, he's he's a better dad than most American horror stories we've seen. The <clears> daughter, on the other hand, the daughter's a creep. What the hell is up with that little homeschooled child? This is why little kids should be homeschooled. Oh, my God. They I know. All homeschooled creeps. kids
1: are creeps. No oh offense to all God. the homeschooled kids that might be listening, but you're a creep.
0: It's true, though. Like, she... she she spies on everything that her parents do, and she says weird and creepy things, and she counts roadkill, and I don't know. She, she fits perfectly with AHS, but as a kid, I'm like, my God, you guys raised such a freak child. What the hell? <laughs> this this comes from being raised in New York or something? I don't know. What the hell?
1: Yeah, it's New Yorkers. Yes. Now, here's the thing, and I don't want to um, put the spotlight on you, Vinny, and I don't need you to speak for all the Caucasian people, but <laughs> but do Caucasian people not lock up until, like, is the last person awake that the person that locks up? Because I was very confused, because I was like, you know, Doris had gone to bed, the daughter is asleep. I don't expect the daughter to lock the doors and lock the windows and stuff But it's, like, you wait until, like, you, you know, um, until, like, you are the only one up that you lock everything up. All the doors and all the windows and stuff. Like, I don't know. Okay. Maybe it's a horror. (laughs) I I definitely think it's a stupid thing. Like Maybe it's a Caucasian horror movie trope. It it must
3: be. Because, like, when I was growing up, I mean we always had our house locked. We had an alarm system. We had, my parents were in, in the law. So, you know, maybe that was what made me the exception. But, you know, for me now, like the only way our front door is left unlocked is if like one of us ran to the dumpster real quick to drop the trash off. But other than that, like I live near DCO, I am not going to leave my front door unlocked. Now I live in Reno um, even more. So I've never left my door unlocked unless it was by accident. And usually I'm checking it at the end of the night, but yeah, even if I lived in the country, I still would keep it locked at all times.
4: Mm-hmm. I okay.
2: think it must be an American thing.
1: Maybe. Well, because well, here is in American. Canada,
2: <laughs> here in Canada, we leave our doors unlocked for like majority of the time.
1: Oh, uh, um, oh, Canadians yeah. leave. Oh, maybe then. Okay, the gardeners are really Canadians. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, like we lock our doors. When we go to bed, usually, yes, it is the last person who is awake, because if they need to go outside or whatever, or need to go to the garage, or I don't know, they just are the ones who are supposed to check all the locks and make sure everything's good, but sometimes, like, even my neighbors, you know, they leave their doors unlocked when they go out for walks and stuff. Like, we just don't think of that.
1: All right. Odina, you're in Canada, too. Do you not lock things up?
4: I mean, I'm biracial.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so there's a so, difference. I mean,
4: I like my dad loves to act like he's Batman and he's like lock the doors at all points in the day. So like, I don't have that problem. Yeah, I found that kind of sus myself. I was like, why would you just leave your doors open? <laughs> just like walk in if you want, especially if your wife's been like, yeah, I saw this creepy like guy chase after me. Um, But I think it was just, I think it was really well done because I genuinely thought like those creature things were going to like pop up in and just start eating people. So I lock my doors, but evidently
1: the white people of American Horror Story don't. Okay, there you go. Let's talk about the creepy people. So the first thing that I want to discuss is the first major incident that the gardeners experience and it's when doris and alma are uh, walking through the streets of p town and uh, these uh, white bald male freaks (laughs) end up chasing them there's no other name for them they do get kind of a name in the second episode but we aren't there yet so I'm just going to call them white bald male freaks they get chased uh, and uh, that was like the first thing that really wigs them out uh, Madison oh, talk to me about that incident what did you think of the creepy people and uh would you have been as freaked out as Doris was
2: okay so first of all Just speaking on the characters, number one, like we were talking about, I actually love the characters so far. Um, Just this family, it's very real, like their type of living is very now, so it's kind of nice to see, you know, because we've seen Freak Show, we've seen Coven, we've seen like, that is very like in the past or or something like that, like besides cult, we haven't really had anything that's really right now. Um, Well, Coven, well... well, yeah, but no, like yeah, relatable. Yeah. relatable yeah, yeah, No, you're saying in recent in times, sense, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So relatable in that sense. So I really like um, the characters, but yeah, when these bald-headed freaky people started showing up, um, yeah, I would be out of there, and especially, um, you know, as we learn, maybe the ch- the sh- the chief uh, of the police chief of the town or whatever isn't you know buying it, um, but. I I don't like these people. Like out of everything I'm sure that we're going to be talking about this episode, they're the least thing that I like about the season so far. I just I I don't like the look of them. I think it looks very tacky in my Yeah, I think the whole like you know, moving around like you're a zombie type thing and cracking and like, it it's very creepy, but I just feel like it's so out of place to what we've seen so far
1: in this season. That's interesting. You are a picky bitch though, which I think you will admit.
2: I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, she just has
1: taste. <laughs> there you go. I just go.
2: know what is perceived and, oh, okay. you
1: know, so. I like it. That's a good answer. Um, she, is the one, she is the one, though, that will rave about an episode and then give it a five. You know that's true about yourself.
2: <laughs> yes, yes.
1: Yes. And then she'll shit on an episode and give it a ten. So uh, it's, she is the wild card of the AHS podcasting universe. So, okay, yeah. that's, that's interesting. Um, Vinny, I want to get your hot take on the people, uh, because clearly, Maddie Fitz, she has opinions, And I'm wondering if you share those opinions, or do they differ? What would you think of the extra creepy, stalkery, uh, um, creepy people?
3: Until I learned the name, I've just been calling them Festers in my head, like Uncle Fester on a Diet is what they remind me of. Oh, that is good. Um, I'm torn, but I think I agree with Maddie. Um, Like, they're, they're, they're there to add a certain element of ambience and creep factor I think my problem was that they are just so out in daylight and like it really makes it hard for them to look super scary to me. The part about them that I found scary was when they were, you know, in a group and they were attacking or they're being creepy. Um but I immediately was reminded of like the Master Vampire from Salem's Lot and for a second I was just kind of like, "Hey, I've seen this before. This is this has been done before." Um I, I didn't hate it like I love the episode don't get me wrong but I do think that the the festers are a little bit I don't know what the right word is to find but I'm not gonna say shitty uh, but they're I think a little
2: much right they're a little yeah. much. They're a little over the top
3: exactly thank you yeah like I I, I think they were trying to go for a whole you know we always do scary in the dark and like things in the shadows creepy crawly like we're gonna have them count in the daylight but it was very jarring to have them show up in broad daylight Because here's my thing, like, if it was one of them, then I'd understand how when we talk about later with the chief of police and all that being like, oh, don't worry about it, blah, 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 blah. But we saw multiples of these guys in daylight, and this chief of police does not impress me so far. I'll talk about that more when we get to that point, but, like, I think they were used entirely too much. I would have much rather them to have been more subtle and not have come out of the gate screaming and running and, you know, doing all their stuff that they did. I think it would have been much better with the more subdued introduction to them, and I would have liked that better. Um, seeing all of them in the daylight and the jerky movements, and it is very cliche and stereotypical.
1: Okay, interesting. Um, both of you had really extreme reactions to them. Um, I will say for me, I didn't mind them. I'm not going to say that I loved them, uh, but I didn't mind them as much as both of you did. Uh d- does anyone else not mind them, or do do the rest of you have the same like really strong reaction to uh, the creepy white bald men?
0: I um, wasn't scared of oh. them. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> like they they didn't they didn't scare me. They 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 were just kind of like Fester Adams. That I, I I called them the exact same thing. I called them Fester. <laughs> they were like,
1: comical, right?
0: Because they look like mushrooms with sharp teeth and skinny, but that's about it like they just they they don't look tough to me; they look like they could break with the snap of the wind or something. I don't know,
1: all right, so Priscilla is on team anti fester Odina
4: oh, um, I didn't mind them. I actually find it kind of interesting and funny because I thought, in general, just the two episodes were very, like, um, they played a lot on horror kind of cliches and they kind of reference a lot of movies. For me, these, like, creepy bald guys kind of reminded me of, like, Bam Stroker's Dracula where it was, Mm -hmm. like, they looked. Yeah, like, they look like him, so I was like, oh, it could be, like, a play on that, Um, but then I also feel like they might serve, like, a greater purpose, we just don't kind of know where that's going, Mm -hmm. Um, and even just even in the beginning, when they're first (laughs) driving there, and that psycho little girl's, like, counting the roadkill, and you see the deer on the road, that reminded me of, like, Get Out, so I was like, oh, so there's, like, a bunch of horror movie references in this, so I'm wondering, like, I didn't mind them, I didn't think they were scary, but I also feel like it's almost kind of like a nod to previous horror movies. Okay, I like that answer.
1: Yes, very cool. Okay, let's talk about The Chief. Uh, one of our AHS faves, Adina Porter, is back as Chief Burlson. Then he apparently has... A lot of opinions about the Chief. Because nobody has mentioned the Chief, but Vinny came with notes on the Chief. So talk to me about Chief Burleson, whom we do love. Adina Porter is always fantastic, but you have an issue with her.
3: Well, I just think that if she was this big hotshot detective, police, whatever, from Oakland, you know,
1: I've been to Oakland, okay, I know
3: what it's like there, and there's a lot of crime. There's a lot of things going on, you know, so... it. If she survived there, then she should have some element of, like, awareness and just an ability to glean what's going on. I think my thing with her is that I feel that there is obviously much more going on in this town than we know in these first two episodes. I don't think she's as ignorant as she came across to me initially. Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe she's trying to... Kind of like, uh, and I agree with Odina, I think there was a lot of very subtle nods to previous movies. And the chief in this one gives me a nod back to Jaws, which I actually rewatched recently. And if you remember in Jaws, when the attacks start happening, the I think it was the mayor is very much like, oh no, it's not that big of a deal, you know, we've got all these tourists coming. So I think there might be an element of, you're a new chief in a new town, you, you have these people that just moved here, you don't want to stir things up so that when tourist season comes around, you know, it, it's something out of nothing or that you know the tourism season is impacted uh so but i, I just found it very strange that if you're this really hot day hotshot detective and you've obviously been in this town for a little while now if the people that just got here walked down the street and literally got assaulted by one of these creatures then they're kind of like the starbucks of this town they must be like one in every graveyard <laughs> you know so how does how could the chief just like really quickly just devalue what these people came to her and said, oh, it was probably just nothing nothing to worry about, a one-off thing. I'm curious to see where it goes. I don't necessarily dislike her. I think that she's one of those political officials that could very well be trying to cover things up uh, just to keep a very, very weak lid on the simmering pot
1: that is this town. Oh, that's interesting. So you find her suspicious?
3: Totally.
1: Okay, all right. I can dig that, um, it gives Adina uh, Porter... A whole lot more to do, which um, it can be very interesting. Uh, any other thoughts on the police chief from either of you? Any strong opinions uh, I, about Miss Porter? Yeah, yeah, I
2: have a feeling that she's there for like other motives. Um, because when we first get introduced to her, she says that she's from I think Brooklyn or Boston or somewhere. Um, Oakland. she's from a big city and yeah. she came here for peace and quiet. Well. Um, no. (laughs) Like, I just, I feel like she's, she knows more than she's letting on. So I feel like when she's saying, oh, guys, don't worry about it. It's just another, you know, like, sketched out, um, druggy." Like, she's trying to almost be like, oh, if this family dies, it's not another notch on my belt almost Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Like, she's looking at a bigger picture, I feel. Like, I don't feel like she's actually, like, like I think she's smart. I don't think that she's stupid and just pretending that nothing's happening. Like I think that she knows way more than we know.
1: Yet. Agreed. Okay, I like it. I'm loving the theories. Uh, anything to give Adina Porter more to do? I am here for. Her. Um, I, I feel like all of you want to talk about tuberculosis, Karen. We will be talking about her in a moment. Like I feel like one of you is like raising your hand saying, pick me for tuberculosis, Karen. We will talk about her, I promise. But before we get to her, let's talk about uh, Harry's uh, interaction with one of the tall, bald, white, creepy men. Because one actually um, breaks into the house. Uh, He wants to get all bitey-bitey. And Harry kills him in the most spectacular way the way that we should all kill intruders bam 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 to the face um priscilla harry and the intruder your thoughts
0: the first thing i thought of was that because i live in texas i was like damn do they have stand your ground laws where you're from because otherwise you're fucked over dude what the hell did you do <laughs> killing this guy Didn't you think of, like, I don't know, restraining him, maybe doing anything else besides just killing the guy? Shit. But still, I guess since he was, since he thought his throat was going to be torn out by the teeth, he went straight for killing, which I guess is logical in that situation.
1: But still, mega harsh. (laughs) She said, my gosh. Can we talk about, and and I don't know if either of you noticed this, or sort of just made this um, revelation as you all were watching this episode, as well as the other one. Can I just say, I love how fast-paced the episode felt. I feel like... Okay, thank you. 100%. I, I, I was like, I was wondering if I was the only one feeling this, because Agreed. I, yeah, because I feel like any other season, and this is no shade at all to previous seasons, but I feel like in previous seasons, like we as the audience would have been privy to suspicious things, so we would kind of know you know, more than the characters, and uh, not talking about the second episode, we will get to that in another podcast, but focusing on this one, um, like, we got a lot of action that happened to our main people, and uh, I kind of feel like if it had been any other season, um, not to go back to the murder house, but it took them a moment to sort of figure out what was going on in the murder house. And over the course of an episode, we already had attacks, we already had a whole lot of information. In the next episode, we get an even greater amount of information. But for the first episode, we actually got a pretty decent amount of information and and a good amount of action that actually took place for our main characters, which made them a bit proactive and reactive in trying to figure out what is going on. Or even trying to escape what was going on.
3: I agree. I I actually, when I was watching it earlier with my partners, that was the exact comment that I made was the pacing. in this is actually so well done because with AHS, I feel like we ran into this with the anthology series. You know, it was either too slow or too fast. And this was like a perfect balance. I feel like in previous seasons it would have taken maybe double or triple the amount of episodes to be presented with the amount of plot unfolding that we got. And it was actually very
1: refreshing. I 100% agree. I do wonder if the break, because um, for those out there that might be listening that don't know this, this was supposed to air last year. Like, this was supposed to record in the winter of... 2019 to air you know about this time a year ago and i wonder if they had all tinkered with the script during the break you know the covid paused it and uh, ryan murphy i do recall saying about two years ago that this season was going to be incredibly weather specific so i guess he really wanted you know a a winter ambiance For uh, this one, and I guess a much more summary, I would assume, ambiance for the second part of the season. So because of all of that, you know, they pushed it back a year, and uh, I wonder if that year allowed them to tinker a little bit, just to fine-tune it a little bit more. Who knows? Maybe we'll never know, but uh, maybe that did happen. So let's talk about tuberculosis, Karen. Sarah Paulson... Uh, Wait, before I even say that, props to Sarah Paulson and Evan Peters, who we will be talking about in a moment. Um, But both of them are executive producers. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yes. Um, Wait, really? Yes. Was it producers or executive producers? Uh, They are producing this season. So both of their names were under producers. I I forget if it's an EP or just a regular P. But yes, props to them. Um, That was awesome to see. So TB Karen. What did we think of her? First impressions. uh, Sarah Paulson in a grocery store. It probably all gave us flashbacks to um, clowns having sex in the grocery store. Back in (laughs) cold. Yeah.
0: It totally did. How did you, you get? Yes,
1: I saw, okay, there was this beautiful meme. Somebody snapped a picture saying, um, oh gosh, what was, what was her name? Uh, Fairchild? Uh, whatever her character's name, something Fairchild, I, I remember. They were like, damn, she's been through a lot. Because they showed a side-by-side of the character from Colt and <laughs> oh T.B. Karen. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. Uh, Priscilla, since you were talking, T.B. Karen, what did you think of Sarah Paulson? And her character this time around.
0: Is it weird that I judged her right off the bat, and I was just kind of like, "My God, who is this freak? What the fuck? Why <gasps> is she coming off so her. coming on so strong on this guy? What is like? I didn't think of the warning right away. I just thought of like how she came off, how she, how I perceived her, and I was just kind of like, "My God, ah, oh, get her away from you, man." Like, I couldn't think of her, at, like, I couldn't think of the warning until later on and, at the, at the, at the restaurant. And then I started putting the pieces together.
1: Judgy wudgy was a bear.
0: I know. Mm-hmm. But, still, See, you would've, You would have,
1: you would have been suckered in to fucking P-Town. Because you didn't pay I attention know, to her. I would have
0: been suckered into P-Town.
1: Mm-hmm. They're gonna munch on your balls. Yeah
0: <laughs> Dude, but that was a Literally. bad warning. What the hell?
1: I <laughs> uh, yeah, she probably should have said something else. <laughs> but yeah, but maybe some characters do munch on the balls. Stay tuned for the next couple episodes. We'll see. So yes.
2: Am I the, the only weird... one who doesn't like tuberculosis Karen: You don't like
4: tuberculosis. I 100% do not like her either. Oh I the
2: okay, so here's the thing. I love Sarah Paulson. Like, she's in everything. No,
1: you she's don't. She's
2: so good at acting. But I just, I see her too much in, like, when she plays a character, I still see Sarah Paulson. Like, I, I feel... Ugh, this is going to make me sound so bad. Like, mm-hmm. like, How dare you say that about our Lord and Savior, Sarah Paulson? Um, say it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm getting tired. of.
1: <gasps> she wasn't her. even in 1984, and it's been three know, years since we've seen her.
3: Know,
1: <laughs> okay, know, let it I, out, I just Maddie.
2: I don't know. Maybe it's because, like, she's been in so much stuff lately that every single time Mm -hmm. I see her, it's, like, I just still see Sarah Paulson, like, I, I, obviously, like, her voice is the same. I feel like her voice never changes. It's the same raspy, screaming, like, I don't, I don't know. Obviously, this character, like, her, her face is completely messed up. It's completely different. Um, But I just, I still see her. And I mm-hmm. guess the same could go for, like, Evan Peters, but I feel like Evan Peters brings a whole different, like, he, every single time I see him as a different character, he's, like, a, he's a different character. When I see Sarah, it's, like, I just see Sarah dressed up.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you it's, your, I mean? it's your internal misogyny. Ah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you judge Sarah Paulson? We will be sacrificing you to Scath Hatch. Well, that was the of name course. of Lady Gaga, right?
2: watch and then my mvp for
1: this it's gonna be fucking Eastern. sarah paulson <laughs> yeah. i feel like that you absolutely you just have to this is a ruse she wanted sarah paulson for her mvp that's what it was
2: i would yes. just like to see her as something completely different like okay i don't know because we've seen her as like a cracked out you know person in hotel right that is
1: true yes we did see her as a She doesn't really, is she, she's, well, she is cracked. I don't know if she's like a cracked out
2: But, you know what I mean? That type of, I still, like, I I feel like I've just, I've seen it before. You know what I mean?
3: I agree. I think we were kind of catfished, actually. Because if you guys remember, like she was telling all the, the newspaper that listen to how old I sound, the newspapers. Oh, uh, newspapers. All, the, all the websites and all that, like, oh my god, I look like I've never looked before. I look completely different. You're not gonna recognize this character. My hair is so crazy. But
2: they just put false teeth and no eyebrows on her.
3: And Chola eyebrows.
1: <laughs> like, oh god. Like, and extra padding. Cause she's yeah, yeah they they have her layered. Later. Like I,
3: I don't hate tuberculosis, Karen, but for me, ever since Cult, my opinion of Sarah Paulson playing a character in American Horror Story has dropped to the point of I'm desperate for her to do something different. I agree with Madison in that regard. She's really a really talented actress. She's everywhere, but... My my one boyfriend, he even said, oh, great, we get to listen to another season of her screaming hysterically again.
2: Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And the thing is, like, I love her. Like, I love her acting. Like, she's so great in everything that she does. But it's just I feel like I've seen this before. So even, I don't know, I would have loved to see her maybe as, like, for example, Belle Noir. Like, to see mm-hmm. her in that type of character or something like that. You know what I mean? But something that would have been new. too similar. But
1: then you could have said that's too similar to her character during the first part of Apocalypse. Ooh, but the that's shape. the
2: thing. Create something different. Make her one of oh. the, the skinny, bald guys.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. Well, so we paid that could be. But she something. can't scream. She can't scream. Yeah. Well, that's true. No.
2: It's a non-vocal role.
1: All right.
3: But I do think tuberculosis, Karen, plays a very important and pivotal role because I thought about it, and think about the town that we're in. I mean, obviously we have the festers running around, but otherwise this is like suburbia. This is gorgeous New England. It's a beautiful town. It inspires creativity. These people came here for it. But then you have this like cancerous-looking woman walking around. She's almost like a walking personification of the disgusting filth That is existing just under the surface. And I kind of want to hear her story. Like I want to find out how she got there. So I really do hope that she does get a chance to evolve into another type of character. And maybe Paulson gets a chance to do something she hasn't done before. But so far, I I, I agree with Madison. I don't think this is a very big departure. But I think she serves a very symbolic purpose.
1: Okay. I like the deep analysis. I like it. Even the hateration from uh, Maddie Fitz. I'll accept it. Oh,
2: my God. I'm going to be, like, writing an apology letter to Sarah Paulson in, like, an hour Yes,
1: you can tweet her. (laughs) She'll respond. Or she'll block you, uh, which that will be entertaining as well. Um, Stay tuned. Let's talk about two of the local denizens. They're not local year-round, but they do go to P-Town to get a little inspiration. So, first impressions of Austin Summers, a.k.a. Evan Peters, and Sarah Cunningham, a.k.a. Bell Noir, played by another AHS veteran, Francis Conroy. A fun little fact. Everyone loves a little fun fact. This was the character that Kathy Bates was going to play. Kathy Bates was going to be Bell Noir originally, but then COVID happened wow. And uh, we don't really have an official reason. We just know that because of COVID, uh, she didn't film. Um, A lot of people are assuming because she's a cancer survivor, you know, so she's kind of like in that tender group that shouldn't be sort of out and about, you know, just in case they get exposed to COVID and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, Bel Noir was going to be Kathy Bates, which uh, I think would have maybe changed things, maybe not. I don't know.
2: I think it would have changed the – Dynamic? The personification of the character for sure. Yes. Um, but when, like we were just saying, first impressions of them. I don't know about you guys, but when they were when they started singing on that stage, this karaoke bar <laughs> type deal. Um, when our writer is sitting there watching them and he's smiling, I could not help but just like smile at the TV like I was watching them at a bar myself. They looked so cute and happy yes. and they sounded great.
1: And you know they're fucking. <laughs> I was fucking. just like, in a moment. And you know they're fucking. Well, duh. But... <laughs> well, she said, well, duh. <laughs> but <it was> <laughs> 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 yes. Can I just say, y'all, I don't know if someone here is going to be disgusted with me, but I didn't really recognize Islands in the Stream until they actually started singing the chorus, and I don't think I've ever really ever heard Islands in the Stream like the they only did version of Island, version of it. They really did. They did. Uh, but I think I only know Islands in the Stream because a Ghetto Superstar. That is what you are. Uh, they sampled it, and so whenever I've heard Islands in the Stream, I don't think I've ever heard it completely. I like it wasn't recognizable to me until this, until they started singing that part, and I was like, Oh, that's what that is. It was See, cute. I only,
3: I only know that song because in middle school, everyone told this joke about Dolly Parton, and it was, "What does Dolly Parton sing in the bathtub?" Uh, yeah, that was the fr- that was my introduction to the song when I was a kid, yes. and I'd never heard the song before. <laughs>
1: you should you should go into stand up comedy.
3: I would suck. Okay,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Any other thoughts on uh, on Bell and Austin from the rest of our peoples? They have really good chemistry,
3: mm-hmm. they really and they're worlds.
1: I'm trying to think back through my AHS Rolodex. Have they ever been paired up in a season? They have been in seasons together, yes. Have they ever been specifically paired up? Did Tate have a lot of lines with Francis Conroy as I the thinking, main?
2: like when they were in um, the house in the first season, they were both ghosts, right? So yes,
1: but th- did they ever really interact? i don't know
4: really to be honest i was also thinking maybe asylum because didn't she play like the
1: angel of death or something? she did play the angel of death but that was such a small role for her
3: yeah i don't think they've ever had such a close and like symbiotic relationship as a duo where they play off each other i think they were always on the fringe of each other's Mm -hmm. ensemble caps
1: storylines and stuff yeah they worked fantastically together their chemistry super cute yeah incredibly electric It was nice. They worked very well together. Let's talk about an AHS virgin. Macaulay Culkin. Mickey. I'm not even going to pick on anybody. Whoever wants to jump in and say something first. What did we think of Mickey?
3: You strike me as a power top. Never thought I would hear (laughs) Kevin McAllister say those words.
1: I know. He's all grown up. Can I just say he still has that incredible stage presence like he hasn't done a lot of work and he was a child actor he he's never really been a full-time you know movie after movie after movie adult actor he has done some stuff a lot of it has really been indie things um so for me it's been a while since i've seen him do anything i think the most that I know about Macaulay Culkin is kind of like his love life, because sometimes you'll see just, like, news alerts and that sort of thing. Um, so seeing him on the screen, seeing, seeing him, like, really gel with this weird, kooky AHS universe was kind of nice. Like, I hope he becomes, like, a regular in this stuff. Like, uh, he was, so... he had a strong presence Yes, Yeah, first.
2: I can back off you by saying, like, I hope he becomes a presence. Like, this character, when he first showed up, I was like, of course, they're making him this disheveled-looking guy. Because, you know, us, you know, <laughs> just viewers, seeing his kind of life, you know, in the, the paparazzi, the magazines, you know, oh, this is what he looks like now. And you're like, oh, yikes, right? I was like, oh, why did they have to put him as, you know, this type of character? But as the episode and and next episode go on, I, you know, we really start to actually see him as a a character, like have a backstory. So I'm really interested and I really hope that they do a lot more with him because I am so pumped to see him on the screen again, like you're saying. Um, So, yeah, I I really think that they could do a lot with him, but I just hoped and and thought that they were maybe – going to use him in a different way, but, I mean, this is only the first episode, so.
1: Definitely, yeah. And the only other character, main character, that we haven't really discussed is Leslie Grossman's Ursula. She was only in it for a teeny, teeny, teeny tiny bit. But her character didn't have a big presence. Uh, what was our Initial take on the teeny tiny little bit that we got of Ursula in the first episode.
2: Wait, I mean is she? <laughs> she. she's um the writer's the uh, agent. The agent. Oh. Yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah. I think I think she. I don't know. Uh, typical Californian, you know, like uppity. I don't know. I think she played it good so far. I hope that she comes to the uh this town that would mm-hmm. be interesting you know to see her walk through being like oh my god what is this place or like you know something like that um but yeah i don't know simple and i hope we see more of her
1: yeah definitely um she had a presence she was interesting uh, what i will say about all of the actors is that they all committed to their roles like whether you like the character or not like maddie fits and hatred of um, tuberculosis Whoa. Karen. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get a lot of that in the coming weeks. Um, you know, whether you like them or not, I, they all committed to their roles. Like, I give them props to that. Like, they they are playing their roles to a T, which is uh, really nice, I would say.
3: Well, and wasn't this the first time that Finn Whitrock has actually, I mean, obviously by the end of these first two episodes, different opinion, but Coming into it, wasn't this the first time he's actually played, like, a protagonist and not an antagonist or a shitty character?
1: Yeah, 100%. And uh, if we go back to 1984, it's grandson and grandmother are married, so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you caught that, too. Yeah, it was very funny. Uh, They are age-appropriate. Like, I had to look up their ages, because I was like, how old are they? I'm very confused, because they don't always play their age. Um, They sometimes, with the makeup, age them up or age them down. And I was like, where are they? And I was like, oh, okay, they are age-appropriate. I'm like, okay, I like it. It works for me. Um, Yeah, Finn Wittrock as a leading man. As I said before, Lily Rabe as a leading lady. Fantastic. So, uh, let's talk about The Offer. Okay. So you meet these people. They talk about creativity. You go to uh, Evan Peters' house. You hear more about creativity. Juice is flowing. Austin is a successful playwright. We know Belle Noir. She does the romance novels, but apparently according to Harry, with sort of like a, an intelligent um, twist to them. It's not the usual stuff that you find uh, at the grocery store or the drugstore. They even still sell them there. Um, but yes, so... Austin is like, you know, one of the things that that I do that helps is this little black pill. What's in it? I don't know. But it helps me write. It gets the creative juices flowing. So, without getting into anything that happens in the second episode, if you were to be presented with one of those pills, without knowing anything about it, would you take the pill, Priscilla? No.
0: Like you don't know what's in it, and like, furthermore, like, even though that the, they say that the writer is constantly looking for ways to like deblock himself, like there are other more healthy ways to get rid of your writer's block than just taking drugs. It's it, that's the easy way out, and to take the easy way out is isn't the best way, and it's it's just the easy way. It's just and you're always going to be looking for the easy way then you're you're going to be hooked on on these pills and is that how you want to lead your writing life like even other writers like Stephen King have have told have, have said before that like writing with like cocaine and stuff like that is easier but like it's not something that they want to live their lives leading so no hell no i wouldn't take the pill
1: Okay. Vinny, would you take the pill?
3: I agree with Priscilla. I mean, being a writer myself, like I know how tempting it is to like try to find inspiration, how desperate that you can become. But at the end of the day, just common sense wise, if I had met two strangely interesting, uniquely weird people and I was dumb enough to go back to their house and they offered me a little black pill that was nameless, I probably just wouldn't take it out of common sense. But even with the, the the moniker of, oh, this will get the juices flowing and this you know will help you get inspired, my immediate question would be like, okay, but what's the come down like? You know, it's anyone who has ever been intoxicated or experimented with drugs knows that everything has a cost, everything has a price. And knowing that, going into it, no. I, and plus, I think that anything created during an altered state of mind, while it may be interesting and potentially in some ways, better, it's not something that you should rely on because talent is supposed to be natural. It's supposed to evolve as you grow and change. And I I personally think that it would be
1: uh, a cop-out, in all honesty. Okay. I'm enjoying the answers. There's no right answer, in my opinion. You can pick whatever you want. Uh, Maddie Fitz, would you take one of those tragic, magic little black pills? You are the queen of the occult, so...
2: (laughs) I mean, I mean, come on. Is um, that a guess? <laughs> first off, first off, our little writer friend did not ask as many questions as he should have. Like, first off, okay, what's in it? Oh, I don't know. Okay, first red flag. <laughs> um, who made it? We don't know. The chemist. Okay, who's the chemist? We don't know. Second red flag. Um, and I mean, no, obviously no. But desperation, you know, if I wasn't living in reality, yeah, probably. But <laughs> no, like you don't even know what's in it, and you didn't like like Vinny was saying, you didn't ask the questions. What happens after I take it? How long does this effect like work? Um, like you know, how often am I going to have to take them? Am I going to get it? Like no questions? Just you just say no and leave with them. Okay, okay, like. <laughs> What? <laughs> you, you didn't even. You ask probably ask more doc, uh, questions to your doctor than you do this guy who you just met. You know what I mean? You well, know I mean,
3: what we need is, is a commercial. That is a beautiful commercial for the Muse or the Little Black Pill, and then you know how they do those really fastly read disclaimers at the end about the side effects. That should be there, but it should be read by Tuberculosis Karen.
1: Exactly. Oh yes, I just want the gristle and fat, bitch. <laughs> Odina. Little Black Pills.
4: Um, I mean, obviously, no, because, like, everyone's pointing out, like, you don't know what's in it, who made it, what the come down's going to be like, if you're going to be dependent on it. And there's also just no guarantee that it's actually going to do what they're saying they're, it's going to do. So, like, what would be the point? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd also say this point in the episode frustrated me the most because I was like, how does this man go from, like, I just fought this random guy and killed him in my house. And I'm leaving the next day and screw this. And then he tells Evan Peters character, Austin or whatever. He's like, no, like F you, whatever, storms off. And then like has one telephone conversation with his like agent. He's like, all right, I might as well do it. Like, how does your character go from so strongly opposed to something to like one flake? And he's like, okay, cool.
1: Desperation
2: it's it's the success it's it's yeah. the, mm-hmm. the the they pointed out right right off the bat if you want to get rid of your writer's block, block if you want to be successful you do this Th- this is like the key to all your answers right so i think it's it's really desperation at yeah. this point right
1: 100% i
4: just feel like he's a weak ass bitch
1: oh, yeah, he yeah, is yeah, a yeah, weak ass yeah, bitch sure. yes. 100% that is a yeah. uh, i believe that's uh, that's an official um Doctoral analysis right there. All right, everybody. So one thing that I want to ask that I hope everyone noticed, because it was hella obvious, but we got no answer to it in this episode. We got no answer to it in the next episode. So that's why I'm dying to, to get a theory from one of you. I hope that one of you have a theory for this. My guess may be Priscilla, because Priscilla will stay up in the night theorizing about stuff, as I know. Um, (laughs) Yes. The red lights. We noticed the red
4: lights.
1: Yes. And I kept on... Oh, I
0: have a theory about it. I I knew it.
1: (laughs) I knew it. I am um, Nostradamus. I was supposed to say Nosferatu. That's not the right. I am Nostradamus. Um, Priscilla, I feel like you have a theory. The red lights, please.
0: I think it's kind of like in like in biblical times where they used to like, in yes, pour like yes. the blood of like the lamb, Most blood, yeah, in on the door frame to like have the person skip over like the firstborn son. And I think that it's kind of like that with the red light, like that this is the light, this is where you skip over the family, like so, you don't mess with. Whoever's inside, like the B-Town residents, that's why each resident has a red light on their doorframe.
2: Or the ones that know what's happening. They have like the red light and then our creepy bald guys don't disturb that house because they know that they can't.
3: There will be consequences. It's almost like how tuberculosis Karen said that you promised you would protect me from the others. Maybe there's some exactly. kind of agreement or exchange taking place. Yeah.
1: Okay, that's interesting. I like it. Any other theories about it?
4: Um, I actually just wanted to say, so mm-hmm. that's a really good assessment because I know in like biblical, there's four like horsemen of the apocalypse, and I think the red one represents bloodshed. And it wasn't just the lights that I noticed, it was the coloring. Like, if you notice, the daughter's violin case is all red. Yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that, like, the color red in general just kind of stuck out. And, like, if it's, like, tying into blood and kind of, like, vitality um, and just, like, things that red represents, passion, inspiration, creativity, that kind of stuff, I think it's interesting. But, yeah.
1: Very good point. Yes. I like it. I like it. So, uh, before we start wrapping things up, there are two moments that I would like to discuss with all of you. And, clearly, we've seen the second episode, so we have way more information than we should, you know, as we're discussing the first episode. But I want to get your sort of, like, initial take. When you were watching it, you know, when you were watching this first episode, I'm sure you are already theorizing and, and um, you know, trying to guess what was going to come next so we have two scenes we have one with mickey and uh, bell where um it looks like he's providing her with his uh services he's a sex services. worker services yes with a smile and uh one of the services for three hundred dollars was that he was gonna let her suck him not in that way uh, literally sucking his arm that's cut, uh, with a razor blade, um, the blood and all that kind of stuff. Later on in the episode, we also learn, you know, after T.B. Karen was, like, you know, warning everybody and, you know, she she just wanted the gristle and the fat, uh, she gets a call, because she has a cell phone, and it's from Belle, and, uh, she basically is like, you're gonna do this for me, we hear TB Karen go, no, 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 not again, not again. But she follows through. In a sack is what we're assuming is a baby, because that sounds like a crying child. And uh, Bell provides TB Karen with some drugs, and uh, that's where she says what Vinny just mentioned. You know, and you're also providing me protection from those out there and she's basically like uh yeah so what do we think all that what did we think initially when we watched this were we like okay is this like vampires uh what was what was like going through your minds the very first time that you watched this first episode odina oh, uh, <laughs> tv
4: this is what made me hate tv freaking karen cause oh. How are you there (laughs) judging everybody and you're handing over a child to this monster? Like, what? I mean, everybody's got to I mean, I definitely think this first episode, like everyone mentioned, the pacing was a lot faster, which kind of shocked me than usual. And I think there was a lot of, like, subtle, symbolic things that, like, probably mean a lot more, Um, like, in terms of, like, I feel like we think we know, like, kind of the basic big stuff but knowing American Horror Story we probably don't like those pills like what's in them I feel like we probably have been shown kind of what could be in them but mm-hmm. we're not like aware of it um, overall I hate TV Karen to be honest with you mm-hmm. um, but I'm interested to see where it goes like it's definitely caught my attention right away which American Horror Story hasn't in a while so we'll see
1: All right. Well, clearly it's not just licorice in those pills. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I have a theory. Um, Ooh. Wait, wait, what Maddie Fitz first and then we'll get Vinny.
2: What?
1: Maddie (laughs) Fitz, it sounded like you were going to say something.
2: (laughs) Oh Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to let Vinny go, but okay. Um, Like, uh, okay, Karen is a lost cause at this point in my mind. Right now. Oh, okay. okay. We're going to talk about her in the second episode. Okay. Okay. So she's a lost cause right now. (laughs) But so when she hands over this child, immediately I thought, okay, they're just feeding on youth because it's probably the purest um, form of blood because it's new. It's fresh, you know, whatever. Vampires, something. You would know this Um, because
1: of your satanic literature
2: obviously yeah so i just i i put that aside i was like okay baby food got it and then um yeah it just it it really didn't shock me um so yeah i mean and where this is gonna go i just feel like she's just doing it for protection because she's scared like she's living on the street she she sees everything right so This scene didn't surprise me, um, because, you know, we've all seen vampire movies and shows, and they do stupid things and crazy things for blood, so.
1: Okay. Vinny, you have a theory. Is it a crackpot theory? It is a crackpot theory, but
3: I can lay a foundation that could make it plausible. Uh, So, leading up to this... You know the the going jo- not going but the going theme was that the first half of this season was going to be mermaids and or sirens and the second half was going to be aliens. So my first reaction upon watching this episode, and I'll talk. We can talk more about like what the pill does and all that. You know, um, but I do think that when Karen was saying, "You said you would protect me from them out there," I don't think that she's talking about Fester. I think that what's going on is that these pills potentially are linked to sea creatures, sirens. Because in mythology, sirens were known to have this beautiful singing voice that would lure sailors to their death. And so I, I thought about that. And maybe I'm probably, I fully admit, I'm probably grasping at straws. But I tried to correlate that, and I actually came up with a theory that makes sense. So let's say that this chemist somehow managed to get her hands on the body of a siren or the blood of a siren. And so the allure, the absolute passion that draws someone to go to a siren song is because they are enraptured by the creativity being expressed through this song So if the chemist was able to somehow Get and formulate a pill that contained siren blood or some element of that creature and it was able to Amplify and magnify the, the innate creativity within someone, but they had to express it, right? They have to express it because if they don't have anything then we know what happens to them, which you know We'll talk about later uh, I I would be very happy to kind of see that come out in a way because I feel like there is more going on here than just the festers in the street and these artists filing their teeth and, you know, eating people's throats and drinking their blood. And that's how I kind of came up with is that maybe there is something to go on with the sea creatures. And when you take this pill, it amplifies whatever creativity you have. And just like a siren song, Lord Sailors to Their Death, whatever your medium of creativity is, it makes people want to be part of it and that islands in the stream duet really resonated with me And that theory because of how the smile like we were talking about he was smiling at the two of them the bar seemed to be paying attention to them so i'm not saying that they're sirens themselves but they are in their medium whether it's music or writing or whatever would what have you so that was how the the crazy thing that i came up with out of left field i would be curious to see if anything like that plans out Vinny.
2: That's i love you because yes. that Obviously, I I went full out thinking this was sirens. And then, obviously, when the blood sucking and all this stuff happened, I was like, okay, so vampires, question mark? But when this whole black pill thing came along, I immediately thought to myself, well, the pills must have blood inside them. Because if you guys think, we didn't even talk about this, but the intro to the season the intro uh, was amazing. I loved it. But mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of blood. Yeah, there's a lot of blood in the intro. And it looks like the blood is running through tubes, um, and like spiral tubes that you would use uh, like in a science lab.
3: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm.
2: I was thinking something like that, like blood of something is being used for these pills. So... If it goes far left field, like Vinny's saying, that it's coming from somewhere else, that could totally be a, a you know, a bulletproof plot or, or you know, analogy. Um, and I also just forgot to add, where did Karen get the baby from? <laughs> like, because if this right? happens often, if this happens often... That she does this for Bell. Does the hospital not notice that babies are going missing, or or people not reporting this on like weekly basis? Like, what? Are we just gonna yes. ignore that fact?
3: What if it was <laughs> a
1: siren baby?
2: Oh, I, uh, it's too much.
1: <laughs> interesting, interesting. I am loving that theory, just because you know this season it's called double feature. Uh, it, when it was promoted, it said we would have a story by the sea, a story by the sand. Uh, clearly, the next one is by the sand. This one is the one that's by the sea. And uh, the main assumption, based off of all of the promotional imagery, was that we were, were going to be getting sirens and aliens. And as of right now, it does seem to be just a vampiric-style story. So uh stay tuned. Uh, a, a lot of people on social media were wondering could all of this vampiric appearing activity be kind of a ruse in in like for what's to come? Like could this be could there be more sort of like bubbling underneath all of this and uh, I think Vinny could be correct so we'll have to wait and see uh, we don't have that many episodes this season there are only 10 episodes we've seen too, I am assuming that the season is split right down in the middle so it's 5 and 5 maybe um, so that means we don't have that many episodes left uh, in P-Town um, I don't know if it's 5 and 5 or 6 and 4, we're going to have to wait and see but um, that's a good theory. I like it. Uh, we, we didn't talk about the opening credits, so we can now. I know that Maddie already did a little bit. Uh, does anyone else have any opinions on the opening? Um, it was visually impressive, as all AHS openings are. The theme is that spectacular theme that's been there since day 1. I don't feel like they tweaked it much. So I think it's just the normal theme. I don't think, you know, some in some other seasons they will, you know, add a little extra stuff to uh, you know, it's kind of appropriate for for the season, but I didn't hear anything different. So it just seems like the typical theme. But any opinions on uh, the imagery? It makes me hungry. All the all the all the, all the blood. Oh. Do you want a a baby? baby? Excuse me? Excuse me? All the blood. (laughs) Oh, did you say, do you want a baby? Oh, God. I did.
3: I will say that it contributed to my theory because if I remember correctly, we do see like a chemistry set at one point in the credits. And I feel that's like what I'm
2: saying. Uh,
3: if this was just vamp, I will say this. I, I have a feeling Maddie, first of all, Maddie, I love you too. Second, I think Maddie and I will be in the hate camp if this is just literally fucking vampires and that's it. I will be so
1: disappointed. <laughs> like if there isn't anything sirens, bigger.
2: Sirens are way cooler, man.
1: Yes. All right. I like it. Uh, was there anything that I missed? I know we did find dead bodies on the beach, and that we didn't really talk about that, but that was just a little moment, uh, just adding to uh, the horrors of P-Town. Uh, was there anything that I missed, a teeny tiny little moment that either of you would like to chat about before we head into the MVP?
4: I just wanted to ask, like, what was up with that scene with the fox? Like, is it supposed to be the vampire things that are just, like, snatching up foxes on the beach
1: like what does the fox say
4: (laughs) literally like this little girl's playing the violin like the metronome's going this guy's trying to like figure out his writer's block and like at the same time this fox gets snatched right when this little girl like screws up or something like i was just like what is like what was the part like is this like twilight and the lion met the lamb like i was confused
1: I would assume it's just to show the weird shit's happening, and more than likely one of the festers was hungry.
3: Yeah, that's what I got from it. But uh, yeah, it was kind of
1: random. Maybe the one that died on the beach. I don't remember the order, if that was before or after. I but think who it's killed really them? to
2: show like, the eeriness of the place, which I really like. I like how they're doing a lot of you know, overhead shots of the town. Everything's very white, gray, black. Like... Just the setting of the whole show so far is brilliant. Like I think mm-hmm. the 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 location is great, um, and yeah, I think just you know the roadkill, the cemetery, just things like that. Like even the old kind of rusted you know houses and stuff. It's I think it's just for the setting, you know, the ambiance of it.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. The setting is beautiful. Um, those are the kind of houses that apparently Vinny Vinny's used to. <laughs> That's a little inside joke from. You know, stories outside of the podcast world. Yeah. Um, yes. Vinny, you know what? I was just going to really mm-hmm. gloss over the festers on the beach, but I think the festers on the beach back up your theory. And you did yes. ask a yes. question, and yes. it's a question that I'm, that I'm going to say right now. Who killed the festers? We were just saying, what was it, whales or something, or sharks, or I don't know what the fuck they said, but they said seals, right? Seals Seals. or whatever (laughs) creatures in the you know normal sea creatures. And what if it's what if the festers got too close to the water, or what if the fester saw something in the water? They thought it was an easy thing to kill, to feast on, and in fact, it was a siren that was luring them in because they sense that you know their powers their essence you know was used uh, in a malicious bad way or in a way that it's not supposed to be used yes. and so that's the sirens taking their revenge out on these vampiric people and look Man, at if this
2: feel. is if this is not the way that the show's going i'm going to be so upset now
1: <laughs>
3: right <laughs> like i i got myself excited even thinking about it but I went back and I paused that scene, and I, I mean, we already know that I'm morbid, so I'll just acknowledge it. I I analyzed the wounds. I looked at the way those creatures were killed. A great white would have had more precise wounds, like it. You know, it, it was. They
2: wouldn't v- be left there either. Yeah, exactly. they wouldn't be left there. They would have been eaten.
3: Mm-hmm. They. It was almost like they were toyed with and they were tortured. So, yeah, that, that was the other thing that, like, supplemented my idea, was, like, especially the fact of how the, the tide... And this just speaks to the, the the filming, cinematography, like, everything. It was almost like this the, the the sea creatures were mocking the world with their kill because the sea was slowly coming in and kind of caressing around... Caressing's a bad word, but, you know, it was framing them almost like the Mother Nature was saying, ha-ha, I did it, you know, it, it was so well done, and that scene itself... I love the fact, because Ryan Murphy is known for his twist, let's face it, and some of them are stupid, some of them were great, but the fact that we did not get any more information on that scene, because Bell and Austin, they would have said if they were the ones that did that, but I don't think they would feed on those creatures, because those creatures are empty. So, something else killed them, and the fact that we didn't get answers leaves me to believe this was a seed planted for a later on climax.
1: hmm I like it. I'm here for it. Stay tuned. So now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So, brum, brudur, choose wisely. Yeah. Even though she's been misbehaving, Maddie Fitz, you can go first. Who's your MVP and oh, why? <laughs> <laughs> to torture oh, you. Oh
2: God. Okay. Okay. Think. 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 Think.
1: Maddie Fitz did not do her homework
2: No, I'm just Okay Um, I'm gonna go With Is it Harry or Henry? 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 Harry Harry, Harry, sure (laughs) I don't even know his name Um Yeah, I mean, I really like Finn in this character. I have always liked Finn um, in anything that he does. And I just feel like this character really, really suits him well. Um, Him being a writer, he's, you know, just his his whole, you know, uh, how to explain it? His whole, I guess, ambiance or I don't know, just how he's going about this character. It's very... Relatable to writers and, um you know, going away to try to write and just the way that, you know, he he's showing at least right now that he's a lovable husband, um, a good father. Clearly, that doesn't go that far in the next episode. Um, but I really, really like his character. It's very strong. And yeah, I don't know. He's my MVP.
1: All right. Odina your MVP, and why? Okay, I'm
4: kind of caught on this one. (laughs) Great. Um, I'll go TB Karen. Uh, Don't like her at all, but I applaud her Uber Eats delivery skills overall.
2: Oh, my gosh.
4: Um, And she did give me a little bit of, like, (laughs) William Shakespeare, Ides of March, like, beware the Ides of March. Um, But I, I honestly feel like there's probably going to be a point in time where she does something like noble or respectable that I'll like so
1: I'll give it to her wait can you repeat that you picked <laughs> TB Karen you did I just wanted to make sure I heard that I, correctly yeah. okay even though you did not like her no I don't okay but you respect her hustle I respect the hustle for sure Okay. Everyone needs a job. That's why Postmates exist, you know? Yes. All right, I like that. Uh Priscilla, your MVP and why.
0: The name isn't coming to me, but the little girl.
1: Almost she was Alma. delightfully
0: like twisty. She was just weird and she got on my nerves and she would just be creepy with her father and she would just be She's the perfect, like, annoying child, and I like that in this series, because, like, she she portrays children, like, really well. So, yes, I pick her.
1: Okay, I like it, good choice. Uh, yeah, so you were already talking about how creepy she was at the beginning, so it's it's an appropriate pick for you. Vinny, your MVP and why?
3: So, before I do my MVP, I have to ask, has anyone watched Shudder uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Slasher, Flesh and Blood. Yes, and all.
2: yes, yeah. Yes.
3: Okay, yes. so Alma reminds me of the creepy-ass little girl in that. <laughs> yes, yes. We just watched that last night when we couldn't watch American Horror Story, so I was like, okay, I guess the trend of 2021 horror shows is super creepy fucking children.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. And and she does do it well, you know. Mm-hmm. Priscilla, you were right, like she plays the the creepy little girl you know like at first she's kind of well not when she was canning roadkill but she's kind of cute like you know being the i don't i don't know if i want to be here like and the parents are saying oh it's gonna be great don't worry it's kind of like oh you feel so bad for her and then you realize that she is a perfectionist and a little nutso uh yeah
3: <laughs> as opposed to eating lead off of a pier doc like in the other show Exactly. Um, but, uh, Come on, mom. M- let's
2: make sandcastles. Right.
3: So my MVP is. Gonna, I'm going to have to give it to Miss Bell Noir. She was my absolute favorite in this episode. If there was like a personification human wise of a black widow spider, she nailed it. To be very honest, after this performance, like I am so glad that Kathy Bates did not play this role. Not that I do not respect and I don't adore Kathy Bates
1: because How I do. Dare you? Uh... <laughs> How dare you cockblock Kathy Kathy Bates from getting (laughs) a paycheck?
2: I don't think I could see Kathy Bates doing this. Like, I don't think she would be as mysterious as... Kathy Uh, Bates
1: is rolling over in her bed right now. (laughs) At this (laughs) glass
3: I don't know that Kathy Bates could have brought the femme fatale sexiness and mystique that which, which don't get me wrong i never would have thought i would be saying this about francis conroy either because they're both very versatile actresses and i think this role would have put either of them outside of what we're used to seeing uh, but no belle noire was such a wonderful hook uh, in you know when paired with austin summers to bring harry in and reel him in and she nailed it every single From the wardrobe to the way that she acted, her mannerisms, the way that she spoke, you know, it was just so well done. Like, I could very easily buy how Harry was brought in by these people. You know, when they were doing the whole, we are protesters of prose, warriors of the word, you know, they, they oozed creativity, they oozed uniqueness. You know, the, these were the now modern day equivalent of beatniks back in like, the, what, the 60s or 70s, the people that you wanted to hang around. So I absolutely loved her, I adored the character, and I also want her wardrobe.
1: How dare you question Kathy Bates's <laughs> sex appeal and mystique?
3: I mean, do you want to see Macaulay Culkin getting sucked by Kathy Bates?
1: I mean, you know what? <laughs> now that I'm remembering, Maddie mm. Fitz, I feel like we shared a tweet or something that there was like a tweet saying that Macaulay Culkin was going to have sex with Kathy Bates or something.
2: Yeah. Was oh, there was?
1: was. Yeah.
2: And I was like, I don't know if I want to watch the, the <laughs>
1: well, news Well, now you it. don't <laughs> have to, but yeah. yeah, I'd pay five bucks for that. <laughs> All right, so, uh, well, I guess I get to give it to the character that I was giving love to at the start of the episode. Um, I'm going to give it to Doris, Lily Rabe. It's great to have her as a headliner. Doris didn't really get much to do except to react to everything that's going down in P-Town. But she gave, can I just say, the most realist, real-world, real-people reaction in a horror production ever. She said, we're getting the fuck out out of this town. I don't care if I lose my job. I will do shit on the gram. Like, uh, we are leaving. So she gave the realest answer in any type of horror production, so I will give her props to that. She looked fantastic. Um, That pregnancy suit, it's interesting. Uh, (laughs) It is interesting. I'll just say that. But she looks good rocking it, so props to her for that. So she looks
2: great, but I just think her stomach keeps changing sizes.
3: <laughs> okay, it's not just me, thank God, because I
2: just yeah,
3: swore her belly was changing. And
2: I don't know if it's just, like, the wardrobe that she was wearing, but, I like, at one point, like, when she's laying in bed, I, th- I thought, like, her baby bump was gone, and I was Same. like, oh, God, did something happen? <laughs> like, what is this? So, yeah, a little confused about that, but... Nonetheless, she's gorgeous. So. What
3: I yes. will say is it almost seems as if Ryan made a very smart move and he gave Lily Rabe what would have been, normally been the Sarah Paulson role and Sarah Paulson what could have been the Lily Rabe
1: role. Oh, that like, is interesting. That is kind of... I can buy that. Yes. Yeah. So now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 Muse pills? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional... Deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted Golden Muse. So we'll go in reverse order, sort of. Uh, And and Vinny, that means you are the first victim.
3: Well, thank you, my good sir. I am going to come out of the gate and give this a solid 9. You know, I really think that for the past 9 years, American Horror Story has been very hit or miss especially as we got to the middle of it to run, you know, I I did feel for a while there that churning these out once a year, they were at times very much starting to lose quality in areas that they used to be very solid. And I think taking a year off to really grasp the weather concept and to really put that finishing touch paid off. You know, right out of the gate with this episode, I really enjoyed it. I was engaged. I did not have a single moment where I was like, all right, I'm going to look away. This is boring. I didn't care for the festers, but they serve a purpose for exposition. They are there as a breadcrumb to lead us into wanting to find out what's going on underneath this town's pretty provincial facade all of the characters were executed wonderfully by the actors in the role this cast was like perfectly done every actor was very well curated for the role that they were chosen to pick and those that we didn't get to see a lot of in this episode i'm looking forward to see more story wise once i started thinking about my theory and i started feeling like this isn't going to be vampires almost to the point that i feel like it can't just be vampires I think there is a very, very well-layered plot that is going to unfurl through the remaining episodes of this season, and I, th- or this half of a season. And I think it was really, really just an amazing beginning, and as much as I hated
1: waiting this long for it, I definitely felt it was worth the wait. All right, starting off strong with a solid 9. Priscilla, what about you?
0: Um, I co and I'm going to give it a 9 too. I thought it was really solid off the gate, I think I'm dinging it also for the Lester's. I thought that... The Fester Adams. I thought that they were... um, Kind of... Cliche. Kind of... Very... Like, they, they weren't very scary. They were more hilarious to me. And... I thought that that didn't really set the right with the tone of, like, sirens and... Mysteriousness and... Apparently, vampires that we're getting.
1: Okay, we got two solid nines. Odina, what about you?
4: Um, I'm gonna give it an eight point five. Um, I kind I agree with everybody in saying that I think, in comparison to previous, um, seasons, this definitely is a lot better. Uh, it caught my attention, and I think that's to do with the cinematography, the pacing. And kind of just the mystery behind everything. Because we definitely don't know the full truth. I am going to take away points um, for T.P. Karen. Half a point. And also just because I think I don't really... Like I didn't really connect with Henry or the dad. I forget his name. Henry. um, Right away. Like I don't really necessarily care for his character. I'm more interested in kind of just the overall story. Um, but I think it was well-paced, it was well-shot, um, and I'm interested to see where it goes.
1: Odina was so disgusted with herself for picking T.B. Karen as the MVP, <laughs> Literally so she to took off a half a point. Yes. I, I love it. All right, everybody, strap in, put on a seatbelt. It's going to oh, be a bumpy on. ride right now, because <laughs> she is the wild card. We, have, I, we literally have no idea what she's going to say right now. Oh, I literally have no idea what she's going to say right now. Maddie Fitz, the mic is yours. How would you rate this episode? Question mark, question mark, question mark.
2: Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I am going to give it an 8.5 Muse Pills. And a few different reasons than Adina just uh, gave, but very relatable I love the pacing. I adore the characters. I feel like I can really relate to the main character um and just this family. Like I feel like it's now they're relatable to you know people in our um you know age group, people that are just living right now. We're not going back in time and stuff like that. And obviously the cinematography was just amazing. Like we're talking red was a color that came up so often. Um, just that whole contrast of black and white and gray, and then this red. Um, it was beautiful. Um the only reason I'm not giving it a nine is because I can see the show doing so much more. And like it's already set a high bar, clearly. And like, you know, Jeffrey, you were saying on social media, people were blowing up, saying, this is the greatest um, premiere. AHS in a long time, Mm -hmm. you know, it was definitely worth the wait. It's been so well received so far. So I have high hopes that it's going to keep going up. And especially, you know, if Vinny and I's, you know, theory is correct, I'm definitely going to be rating a lot higher. But like I said, the Festers, you know, are bald headed, skinny people uh, in this town I just thought were just too cliché, too—I couldn't figure out if they were zombies or if they were just, you know, ventriloquists like that, you know, were cracking their backs and stuff. Like, they had back problems, like— Yes,
1: they were ventriloquists.
2: Yeah, it was—it was just— a lot and i felt like if i was in a town and i saw those people walking around i would be calling like the cdc <laughs> you know what i mean i i wouldn't just be like oh they're just cracked out people like no 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 like this is much like too much they don't have pointy teeth and they they don't always look the same either why are they all bald why do they all have trench coats on you know what i mean so besides that yeah a solid 8.5 i expect so much from the show it was so well paced it's just the story itself is so interesting you know we've seen i don't know how many movies of oh a writer goes to uh like an abandoned house on an island somewhere up north and then shit hits the fan right so i like that idea i like that whole plot and the fact that there's something going on in this town is really interesting to me so yeah i'm excited
1: okay this is fascinating Because we're sort of split in the middle right now. We have two for nines, two for 8.5s. Let's be real, it's just half a point. So it's not like it's, you know, that big of a difference. Oh, Um, come on. I'm approving of everyone's justifications. Very nice. Everyone's thorough. Everybody decided to write in their journals for their explanations, for their rating. I like it. I do agree with two of you. And those two are... The nines. I'm gonna give it a nine as well. well uh, what? Yes, <laughs> nine gang. Yes, a nine nine. <laughs> yes, nine nine. Yes, I'm giving. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna give it a nine. Uh, I thought it was a very good premiere. Uh, I, it really was captivating. The um, the visuals were stunning. The acting was on point. As I said, everybody came to play. Everyone understood the assignment. Uh, it, it was a really good premiere. I was sucked into this little world. And um, I, I'm listen, I, I, I will say I have enjoyed American Horror Story. Have there been great seasons? Yes. Have there been okay seasons? Yes. I don't think I've ever really hated a season. Um, there might be a season that I won't revisit. Cult. But um, for the most part, I I do enjoy American Horror Story, but I will agree this is a return to form. So I will give it nine Muse pills as well. Uh, Please take them as prescribed. You know, don't take them all at one time. Join us next time for a brand new installment of Are You Afraid? Double Feature, Part 1, Red Tide. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us.
2: Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on air personality? Email talent at PoppyChulaRadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Are You Afraid? Double feature and subscribe.
1: Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Maddie Fitz, the controversial Maddie Fitz.
2: Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be painted in some red paint, I think, after this episode, but... Good night, everybody. See you next time, and sleep tight, lock your
4: doors. Odina? Good night, everybody. Hopefully you don't see any strange men standing outside your window.
1: Well, I mean, it depends on if it's your thing. Uh, Priscilla, you might be into it.
0: Good night, everybody. Don't take any strange pills from strange people.
1: And Vinny? We rely on each other. Goodbye. Oh, our next American Idol. I love it. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Are You Afraid? Double feature. Part one. Red Tide. Every Friday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio archives. Good night.